0: welcome to the lift as you climb podcast where it's all about the journey and the joy to discovering who you are now and deciding who you want to become and embracing your genuine identity influence and impact in each episode we'll explore how life's experiences have prepared us for what we choose to do next and how to create our encore Write our own script and star in the next stage of our lives. I'm your host, your next business strategist and transformation catalyst, Isabel Banerjee. What a happy day this is! Here I am sitting in Arizona in the United States. And I have the pleasure to have an almost next door feeling with my new friend, Liz Sumner, who is sitting in central Italy in an absolutely beautiful historic town, almost medieval, I believe you've described it. Liz is an expat from the U.S., now living the life in Italy, and she has been a recent guest, an expert speaker on the Global Serial Entrepreneurs Summit, and I'm thrilled to have her to be one of the very first of my guests on the Lift As You Climb podcast. Hello, Liz. Hi, Isabel. Thank you so much for having me. I love the work that you do, and I'm really happy to be a part of it. It has been such a joyful experience in these few short months of testing my lift as you climb movement and discovering that there are so many other women around the world that share that same philosophy. Well, and more than a philosophy, it's a way of living and showing up every day in the world. You certainly typify this new circle that I love being part of as we make a difference in the world together. I have become a great fan of yours also. I'm in the groupie category because <laughs> when people read you bio, they're going to discover that not only are you a traveler and a learner of other languages, But you're an accomplished jazz singer and you have your own podcast, which that's what really hooked me in the beginning to pay attention to. Who is this woman? The podcast title, I Always Wanted To, just speaks to my whole soul about each time in my 60s not to keep going, "Eh, I don't like to do that. I want to be able to look in the rearview mirror and say, "I always wanted to, so I did." Yes, that's who I'm talking to. Those people. That's wonderful. Yay! So, for all of you that are out there in the audience listening, hurry up, grab a pen and paper or a journal, (laughs) and replay this after and start making a list of all of the things that you wanted to. Mm -hmm. We'll get together, Liz and I. I will come up with a strategy for you to execute and be able to say, I did. I love it. And I want to know what's on the list too, so that I can bring in guests that address those things. So I want to know because what I do is I interview people who are doing the things that other people have always longed to do. And so I want your ideas. So please communicate with me. Okay. There is an absolute fabulous challenge. So in the show notes, You'll find the email address, hello at the Encore Catalyst. Please flood our inbox with suggestions on things that you've always wanted to. Liz is going to help you. She's going to be your guide by bringing in guests that have done this and interview so that you will have a strategy, a map, an inspiration to go forward and do. And then maybe if I'm not overstepping my bounds, Liz. You might interview some of our listeners in the future after they have a fait accompli, right? Oh, please. Yes. If there are people who are doing things, I want to be pitched. So please write and tell Isabel what the topic would be and fill in the blank of I always wanted to blank and let us know that story. I want to I want to hear that story. Oh my gosh, that's going to add such momentum to the Lift as You Climb movement because we're going to have all of you articulating it, speaking it out loud so that we can support you. You will have an accountability group that will lift you as you do this. So there's the chance. Liz's contact information is going to be in the show notes as well. So I can listen to her podcast, reach out to her, give her some suggestions for inspiring speakers. So Liz, let's, let's circle back a little bit to how did this all come about? How did you end up living in Italy? What was the inspiration for your podcast? I'm dying to know. Let me see. Well, the podcast is a little different, but let me start in on um, Italy first. My husband and I had visited Italy and loved it and kept talking about coming back regularly. But, you know, life gets in the way and you don't get back as often as you want to. I think it was 2010, my husband surprised me right around my birthday with tickets to Venice. And he had found this area south of Venice called Le Marche. It's a region next to Tuscany and Umbria, but it is not as well known. He had been doing research and discovered that Lamarque was just as beautiful as Tuscany and Umbria, but lots less expensive and way less touristed. And so we got these tickets to Venice and then rented a car and came down to just explore, just see what's going on, see what it looks like. And we're going to spend a week just driving around, checking out for the very first time. We're driving to a place called the Frasassi Cave, which is the largest cave system in Western Europe. It happens to be on the cover of National Geographic this month, so people can go look and see how beautiful it is. So we're on our way, stopped for coffee in this little town called Pergola. I decided we must speak to a real estate agent just to get it over with. Then we can get on with our trip. Just see what's possible. See if it even is possible to buy something. So we stopped in this town called Perdola, which is absolutely medieval. It was founded in 1234. And it's one of those medieval hill towns where the nobles would defend their hill town from the noble on the other hill town. So Cobblestone Street, really beautiful. So we stopped for coffee and found a little real estate place called Casamania, uh, which I love the name of it. So we stopped in, asked the woman there. Though in those days, our Italian was a little limited. she didn't speak any English. But we just managed to get across, "Is there anything in the Central historic district? Is it possible to get an apartment?" And she said, "Oh sure," and starts reaching for her keys, grabs a set of keys, and starts to take us out to show us the apartments that were available. We had never in our wildest dreams imagined that we'd actually go see places, but we walked around the corner. And came up in this palazzo built sometime after 1300 and walked up the grand staircase with the huge arching ceiling and looked at this apartment, which had been actually all of the ones that we saw that day looked like grandma and grandpa had just left to go off to church or something like that. They all were fully furnished, had little note cards on the table and doilies on the furniture. They were right out of Central Casting for old Italian apartment. So we looked at 3 and ended up buying the first one we saw. Both of us agreed at the same time that this was the special place. We talked a little further with Paula, the real estate agent, about what was possible, what we'd have to do. We didn't tell her at that point that we were ready to buy but we thought we were eager but reserved the italian system of customer service is quite different from american and that salesmanship is a very different animal here so we went back to the u.s at the end of our trip and kept thinking that she'd get in touch with us and that we wanted to play it cool and we never heard so we are having to write to her and say hello we're interested, in, and she never in her wildest dreams thought that we were serious. She thought she'd never hear from us again. You were playing hard to get. To- yeah. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> yeah, it was foolish. But that was November, and we came back in the beginning of May and closed at the end of May. Amazing. So you're going to be our go-to, our resource now for those of us who always wanted to. And will do so. And it's interesting to also think about how culturally the process is different right from that initial sales. It's not the aggressive pursued model. It's possible that people who want a country property, something that would be more expensive than what we ended up purchasing, somebody might have a different experience. There might be people who speak English, for one thing, because it's a bigger expense. They might have a different style of salesmanship because ours was really affordable. One of the things is that the Italians are very used to people having second homes or third or fourth because they inherit from family. They're used to people having places where they don't actually live. That's not their primary home. So they have good systems for having all of your bills go to the bank to get paid that made it very easy for us to manage things from afar when we only had our tourist visa and could only come back for 90 days at a time. Now you've got me tingling from head to toe at the prospect that this is doable. It really is. It really is. Make that first step And of course, I've shared with you before, I've had a lifelong, uncommitted to goal of speaking multiple languages. And what better way to do so than immerse myself in the local culture and just be Italian, not speak Italian. It's wonderful. But let me give you a piece of advice that I wish I had followed myself is that when you do it, don't spend too much time with English speaking friends. I have not learned Italian as quickly as I wish because I have too many English-speaking friends. Don't make the same mistake I did. So they're enabling you to still lean on your first language. It's true. It was hard for me because I am not the same person when I'm speaking Italian. I can't be funny, at least not on purpose, in Italian. I'm much more limited and my personality, I don't get to shine. It made me sad to be quiet and only speak the sentences that I knew how to say. Has there ever been a time that you've said in your life, I've always wanted to be a stand-up comedian in Italy? <laughs> no, no, don't think so. <laughs> All right, then I have another question. Can you sing in Italian? Yes, as long as there aren't Italians listening. One of the things that works for me is that I happened upon this wonderful jazz community, and they play the Great American Songbook. So I am the go-to person for how to pronounce American. That's a great joy. But occasionally, I will sing in a Napolitano song or something like that. There is a major singer who is not known in the U.S. Her name is Mina, and she was, in the 60s and 70s, enormous. She was like Sinatra and Barbara Streisand put together. She's huge. She's beloved. And she's a wonderful singer. But I I had never heard of her before I came here. Have you ever heard of Mina? No, but I'm going to check her out after. Do. She's fabulous. Everybody sings Mina songs and they're great songs. But I tried one time singing Mina songs at a concert. I also tried at karaoke as well. But because these people have grown up with Mina songs, having an American sing Mina songs is just wrong. So I'm a little shy about singing in Italian. Perhaps you could help me for the benefit of our listeners. Give me a couple of YouTube links to her sound. Sure, and we'll share those in the show notes. Okay, that was the accidental tourist became the <laughs> on-purpose resident. About how many years did it take you to go full-time in Italy? Five. It took me a while because the kind of visa that I wanted, which is called a lavoro autonomo, I work for myself. That is little known. When I went to the consulate in Boston, I was living in New Hampshire at the time, they were familiar with the kind of visas that retired people get. But they didn't really know the workings of how to, you could do student visas or retired people visas, but they didn't understand the others. And of course, that branch of the government doesn't talk to the branch of the government here. It took me a while to find someone to navigate the serpentine process of how to get the right visa. And it really, that actually was quite complicated. So it took a total of five years to both find, figure it out, and actually get the kind of use to stay here. One of the things that your listeners should know is that it's very easy to buy an apartment or a house. It is not easy to buy a car. You cannot own a car until you are a permanent resident. Interesting. Unless you're an American, British, or Dutch, you must be a permanent resident. That's interesting. Can you have a scooter? I don't think so. I think that anything that's on the road. What has been one of the surprises for you in becoming a resident in Italy that you just wouldn't have thought of that? I was surprised by how welcoming the people were. I had a belief back in like 2002 when my husband and I considered maybe living here someday I got this thing in my head, because I am not Italian, I don't have family roots here, I will never be long. I will never feel the warmth that somebody who was actually Italian would feel. And I was so wrong. The people here have embraced us so much, particularly because we moved to a small town in a place that isn't full of tourists. So they feel honored. They feel like we chose them. And we did. The people in Peridola are the friendliest people I have ever met. That's such a beautiful testament to the people and your decision to belong to the community. I appreciate that. That's an important thing uh, that it, you can't just decide that you're going to be above it all. You really like to be part of the community. I think it's quite interesting as well that your husband and you both agreed on this big move. That must have been an unusual occurrence to make such a major life transition, and you're both on board for it. We agree on big things, and we both like adventure. He had lived in the south of France when he was in his 20s. He knew what he was getting into. I was definitely ready for a change. But because we live in the historic center, we are on the outskirts. It's not like we have to come to town periodically. We are here in the center of town. So some people who move to the area but don't get involved in things might not feel as welcomed as we do. I joined the choir and I volunteered at a local cat shelter. We were invited to be guest speakers at the local high school to speak about the American civil rights movement, which was something we were not knowledgeable about, but we did a bunch of research and then became yearly speaker at the high school. How wonderful. So you were also making a contribution to the community in ways that you wouldn't have thought of necessarily. Yes, and it gave us the opportunity to meet all kinds of wonderful people that we wouldn't have met otherwise. We'd love that. Do you find the young people come to you and ask you, how can we move to the United States? Yes. Everybody wants to go to New York. I'm not a city girl, so the idea of New York is, oh, oh, oh dear. And also, I lived in the Northeast, and I'm a Red Sox fan, and I'd see all these people with Yankees hats on, and, and, and oh, I don't like seeing that I if they only knew, right? Right. Is there anything that comes to mind that you miss about the United States that you haven't found something equal or better in your new home country? I have now found just about everything. Sometimes I have to order it online and it might be a little expensive. But there are some products that I miss, particularly blueberries. When I lived in New Hampshire, you'd get blueberries from April to November, and they were huge and delicious. I spend a fortune on little half-pint containers of not as tasty blueberries, but they're better than nothing. So climate-wise, is just not conducive to growing juicy blueberries like we have in the Northeast. Or else that people just don't care for it. I also miss Mexican food because Italians have delicious food, but they only eat their own delicious food. They don't like other cultures' restaurants. So I'm in a small town. I'm sure in Rome or Milan they can find other kinds of cuisine, but I do miss some good Mexican food. We'll be sending a care package along. (laughs) Let me restate that. I shall deliver... Okay. Oh, oh, I would welcome you with open arms. I will, even if you don't bring me some taco. Well, we'll work on that. Most definitely. I love this adventurous spirit. I love the global perspective that this conversation gives to get outside of what's comfortable and familiar and has become in many respects, for me anyway, taking for granted what I have and Being open to experience something new and fresh, even if it's the taste of something different. How wonderful. How did that transformation of your entire lives lead to the podcast or where did the podcast come in? Because I'm just so curious. These are two huge events in a woman's life. I was wanting to collaborate with a colleague that I knew from New Hampshire. She's on my mailing list for my coaching business. We were just chatting back and forth one day in emails. I was trying to imagine how might I collaborate with Nancy. She's a a vocal coach. I was thinking, what is something that we could do together? I was batting around ideas and the, the idea that I always wanted to learn to sing. And then I thought, I always wanted to. then I started popping with all these other things that people might always want to do. I just loved the idea. I could think of so many people just in my acquaintance who did things that other people would be excited about. I thought I could do a podcast. It has just evolved since then. I keep coming up with really cool people to interview who are doing cool stuff. You certainly do. I, <laughs> that. I have been fascinated by the diversity of the activities, the pursuits of your guests. I've also been thinking, how did you get connected to that person? I'm very fortunate now to have a bunch of sources of people who want to be on podcasts. For those of you out there who are wanting to be guests on podcasts or who have podcasts and you're looking for guests, I recommend a service called Podmatch. There's also another one called Podit, another one called Matchmaker, and another one called Audrey, A-U-D-R-Y. And all of them, they reached out to me, I think, because I have an RSS feed people who are in the business of connecting people find the RSS feed, then get in touch with the podcasters and say, hey, we have this service for you. So I tried them out and all of them have given me wonderful people. There's a lot of people who pitch me that have obviously not listened to my podcast or read my profile or know a thing about my podcast. They They pitch themselves without even reviewing that. And I find that annoying, but There are wonderful services now where you can find all kinds of wonderful people. The other great tool that I have found is the app Clubhouse. You and I have spoken about this before, that the app Clubhouse, which is an audio social chat app, you go into these rooms with people from all over the world talking about the topic that the room is set up to talk about. I found wonderful people. I never would have connected with otherwise. Just before we started talking tonight, I was interviewing a woman that I met on Clubhouse because I had been searching for somebody to tell me the story of finding her birth mother. I couldn't find that on any of my sources, but I found her on Clubhouse. I was in a room. We were talking about podcast topics, and they have places where you pitch a show or pitch yourself to be a guest. I said, I'm looking for somebody who can tell me the story of finding her birth mother. And she said, I will do it. I didn't know what the story was going to be about. Oh, my goodness. It was so beautiful. I was sobbing. Her story is so great. She'll be on the show. Season seven begins Monday, the 3rd of May. I think it's going to be at the end of June. I am thrilled now. I have wonderful sources for great guests. Thank you for that. That's a lot of lifting. Thank you. <laughs> I love the fact that we, as podcasters, have this opportunity to make connections and discover really fascinating stories from people all around the world, completely different backgrounds. I hope, and I believe that certainly the case with what you're doing Liz, is that story that we reveal or you share inspires someone else to do something. Mm -hmm. Fabulous example of lifting and climbing. What else would you say you have learned to become a very successful podcaster? What were the other tips that you would give to somebody who's thinking, I always wanted to have a podcast? I'm learning an enormous amount, particularly from experts on Clubhouse. There are resources there that I never knew before. There are a lot of tips on the steps to take to get yourself both recorded and then distributed. It's easy to do. It's not very expensive. The part that I wasn't aware of is that it isn't as simple to get your podcast out into the world to build your audience. One of the things a lot of people start a podcast but don't keep it up, The commitment to doing regular episodes is important. Have a fairly clear focus. It's easier to build your audience when you know who they are and you know precisely what they want to hear. If there's a niche, it's like with any entrepreneurial business. You need to know your audience and you need to be filling a need for them. You need to know where to reach them. That's true for podcasting as well, to build the audience, to keep your episodes consistent. That's the tough part. Because I'm an alginine in this area, I'm just starting to learn a few of these terms. I have recently learned the term pod fade, which you were referring to as those of us who start out with great enthusiasm about creating a regular podcast and then lose that commitment along the way and fade away. It's all the work. It's very rewarding. You get to have really great conversations with people, but there's a fair amount of work before and after. Absolutely. I am learning. I'm studying at your feet now. (laughs) (laughs) There are people that know a great deal more than I do. I appreciate your support, but there's a room and a newsletter called Podcasting Seriously. Everybody who is interested in podcasting should sign up for this newsletter. I will put the link to that in the show notes as well. Because the people that I'm learning from, they give away such valuable material. I highly recommend them. Do you remember when you first became aware of podcasts and started listening to them yourself? My husband has been listening to them for probably 10 years. I think I began listening maybe five years ago. It was when the first season of Serial, do you know the show Serial? Sarah Koenig is the creator. It was a story of a young man who had been accused of murdering his girlfriend. She did this 10 part series that was absolutely fascinating. It was a style of both interview and storytelling and sound design. It was gorgeously produced, and the twists in the story were amazing. Luckily, I came to it when most of the episodes had already been released, so that I could binge it. I hated, I mean, the idea of having to wait a week for the next episode, I wouldn't have been able to, to stand that. But that was my first introduction. Since then, I have fallen in love with a number of others. Excellent. I asked because I'm pretty new to podcasts. Many of my entrepreneurial friends have been consuming pod content for a number of years, but for me, it's probably only in the last two, three years that it's become part of my life, and even more so since the pandemic, where I seem to slow my routine down a bit more, and I have more time to walk and listen to audio. I, I love, I love the opportunity to feel like I'm almost part of the conversation like you and I are having and listen in and learn something that I otherwise would not have been exposed to. And like that it's manageable time segments yes. as well. So that's good. Yeah. Alrighty. I really appreciate you sharing sort of the inside the candor of what it's like to be a podcaster and make that commitment I know there's a great deal more. If you would come back again, maybe we'll talk specifically about that for any of our listeners who are thinking, hmm, kind of like you, but I'm a little afraid of what I don't know. Wouldn't it be interesting to have the conversation with your podcast teacher too, have the three of us talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I recently interviewed... Lubna Zaru. Oh, I just met her through your group and she's very interesting. Ooh, totally. In fact, her episode was launched today. We're recording this interview with Liz today on April the 28th. And Lubna's story is equally fascinating on how she came to have a podcast, which I just love the name. That's what hooked me. The Entrepreneur's Sushi Club podcast. How can you not check out what is that about? I love that style that she has. This is great. It's a way that we are becoming connected with each other all around the world. Part of my great passion with Lift As You Climb is the more you understand about someone else, the more that creates this community of wanting to help each other and to climb together. I want to say how well you modeled that. You asked me what my thoughts about Lift and Seen Climb were. You are the picture of that. You are always putting other people first and giving them opportunities, sharing things to your community, about your community. You model it brilliantly, and I really admire that. Well, thank you very much for saying that. It's very easy for me because I've had so many experiences in my own life where others have reached back, given me a hand up. And one of my superpowers that goes along well with that is I'm fascinated by the unique qualities of people that I meet and what makes them distinct and what their gifts are and their superpowers. This is a great platform for me in looking for other, I'm going to say women because that's mostly who my message is directed to, but it is not exclusive of anybody to find other people that embrace that whole philosophy that we do better, we do well when we are doing good with others. And how just joyful is that? to discover what other people do and what's their gift to the world. The idea of having a conversation with somebody who thinks you're fascinating is a pretty wonderful experience. I mean, you can easily bring out the best in someone when they feel like you're fascinated. I like that feeling. Could then I'm coming back to talk to you often. With... <laughs> I know that I have barely, barely glimpsed and all of the excitement and the adventure of your life and how. When I first met you, I thought, oh, she is very introverted, very quiet. Maybe I'm a little too out there. But as days went by or the minutes went by, I thought, ooh, there's another little facet of this personality that didn't show right away. Glad I stuck around here for a little while. Glad you did too. Yes, yes, yes. And so cool. Thank you for that. What I haven't talked to you about, and I'm really curious now, you mentioned your coaching business. How does that all tie into who Liz is and how she shows up in the world? Tell me a little bit about that. I call myself a productive life coach. And what I mean by a productive life is one where you are fulfilling your dreams, you're reaching your goals, you're at your own pace by your own definition, and you may hesitate now and then, you may get a little bogged down, but you pick yourself back up and you you move forward. At the end of the day, you feel accomplished. My ideal clients are probably not driving type A personalities, They are women who might struggle with motivation, but they still want to live productive lives. They still feel like they want to reach their goals. Basically, I'm coaching myself. That's my sweet spot. I have achieved a version of success that is really comfortable to me. I haven't always felt this good about myself. I feel like I have some things that I can guide people who are like me. So that they don't necessarily have to go through what I went through. I really like coaching older women around productivity, your own style of productivity. I so appreciate that. And I'm recalling now an article I read that you had written about finding the right productivity style. And I thought, you're absolutely right. Not everybody's type A. Not everybody has a fire burning under the soles of their feet. To do something that in societal standards a measure of success or accomplishment. We are all very, very different. My deceased ex-mother-in-law I loved her dearly for her very clear perspective on the role. She was a little like four and a half foot tall English woman from Coventry, England, and she said. I don't want people to be like wallpaper. They can't all be the same and match. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So there we are to be able to offer up a supportive system for who you are. And you know, my favorite topic, who am I now and what feels good for me? Well, you we were saying Luke Nevin also works with people on productivity, but she coaches in a much different way from the way I do. Her ideal clients are different and her approach is different. The world is big and there's room for lots of us out there. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. That's why I've never understood why people get all shown up on competition and being proprietary about everything. The world is huge, it's vast, and the opportunities and the needs are vast. If you feel like somebody's copying exactly what you are doing, then it's time that you (laughs) up-leveled and improved what you are doing for the people that it matters to, right? This is so cool to have this conversation and to affirm that there are women like us in our 60s out there going, yeah, there's a better way to do this for me now. I'm nowhere near dead, and there's a lot more life left. And one of the great joys of menopause is that I don't care the way I used to. There's a whole lot of self-doubt that I left behind Okay, now that is definitely a placeholder. That's a pin in what I want to bring you back to talk about with me. Mm -hmm. How differently we feel about ourselves now, and what were the significant changes or milestones? So, before I let you go, we've hinted at a lot of very interesting facts about you. I certainly will be providing in the show notes where people will be able to connect and get more involved in your orbit. Would you share something that we might not be able to find on Google about Liz Sumner? The first thing that comes to my mind is that in 1987, I went to the Miss America pageant. I have been a pageant junkie for most of my life. My best friend was even a stronger pageant junkie than I. We went to Atlantic City for a week and we watched the way they set it up. Every night of the week is like a mini pageant because they do all of the talent competition and the gowns and the bathing suits every night of the week. Then only the semifinalists do it on the Saturday night. The woman who ran the choreography for the group numbers was my dancing school teacher when I was nine. So I got to see Miss Marsha again. It was a really silly experience that was a lot of fun. Of course, I picked the winner. I had no doubt it was Kehlani Ray rafko There was a press conference afterwards, and I got to ask her a question in the press conference. That was a, a major moment. Seeing Miss Marsha again, like, wow. <laughs> and I, I would not have ever guessed that it's what you were trying to tell me, so... <laughs> I love that. I'm going to share my rocket story with you. Thank you again. Absolutely a joy to speak with you. I look forward to our next opportunity in audio, in video, but especially in real life. Isabella, it has been such a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope our conversation added value to your day and expanded your vision for your legacy and impact. Please join me in increasing my impact and expanding my reach to more people by sharing this episode on social media or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. To catch all of the latest from me, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me and others in my community Facebook group, the Lift As You Climb movement, where you can engage, be inspired by, and grow with a tribe of like-minded people. As I evolve as a podcaster and a spokeswoman for collaboration and economic empowerment, your input and feedback are especially important to me. I welcome your suggestions and questions to Hello at the Until we meet again please remember that your success may be the foundation to someone else's Together we can raise success ladders around the world